You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at harvestoakville.ca. All right, Um, Bibles open, please, to uh, Revelation chapter 3. We have uh, two weeks left in this series, A Word for the Church. Yes, we are going to finish this series, Lord willing, um, up until next weekend, which is um, Laodicea. And so that's right, we are ending uh, uh, this series on Christmas weekend uh, with the church in Laodicea where Jesus promises to spit people out of his mouth, all right? Yes, we are doing that on Christmas weekend, uh, but we are trusting that God's going to use that for his glory and encourage us uh, to not be lukewarm, but to be fired up for Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, amen. But Christmas Eve, we will not be preaching in the church of Laodicea, all right? We'll be going to a traditional Christmas text, or at least on the themes of Christmas, which I'm very, very excited about, as I tend to be each year, as we get to proclaim the gospel to hundreds and hundreds of people who will be here for the first time or visiting uh, who haven't been here uh, much. So this letter today is uh, letter six of seven. Today we examine the church in Philadelphia, the original city of brotherly love, and this is a um, church that is distinguished in that there was nothing negative said about them. Jesus had nothing, there's no rebuke given to the church in Philadelphia. Uh, They were found to be a faithful church. They were not a large church, we're going to find out. They were not a strong church, we're about to find out. They were a faithful church. Uh, They were a persevering church. They were a church that was holding on to the cause of Christ, to the word of Christ, and to the name of Christ. And this is a very important thing for us to understand because, loved ones, really, let's sum up today. Today's message is this, ready? Don't give up. Uh, Don't give up, man. God is with you. He is for you. He loves you. And he says, keep my word. Do not deny my name. And then you will not be disappointed in the end. There are people here right now, man. You are frail. You are hurting. You are sad. You are uh, shedding tears of frustration. Uh, You are here in the midst of pain and different circumstances and trial. You're here today to hear this message. You are here today to understand what is most important. And the reality of the gospel upon your life and mine, and that Jesus has such specific things to say to you that in the end you may not give up. Why? Why? Because he's coming. He's coming. He's going to reveal to you a life that you can't even imagine with new names and, and, and the eternal joy and infinite a gladness of his presence within our lives. That's the message he sent to the church in Philadelphia. This is the message he sends to our church here today. It's a letter to those who are choosing to persevere. You're going to choose to persevere? That's the call for the Christian life. You've got to choose to persevere. Now, as I think about this reality of persevering and the reality of the gospel and Jesus Christ coming and all the, all the, the blessing, all the mind-blowing truths that this relates to, I do find myself on that note, though, surprised at how sentimental I have become at certain times. I find myself getting um, emotional as I um, read certain books or... Um, hear different storylines, or let's say, um, see different movies, I find myself getting sentimental. And um, I'm going to admit, okay, this is pastoral transparency right now, okay? This is, this is personal transparency right now. All right, so be kind, okay? Be kind. Um, a while ago, um, I found myself shedding some tears at the end, uh, <laughs> at the end of the movie Frozen, all right? Now, 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 before you, before you laugh too much, let me remind you, Matthew 7 says, be careful to judge, let you also be judged, all right? And uh, the measure used against them will be used against you as well, all right? So you be careful right now what you choose to do, okay? And um, 
But at the end of that movie, I did find myself um, struck with some emotion at the reality of how I, I didn't know anything about it. I have two young girls and all that kind of stuff, and we were there. And, and also, though, recently, more recently, um, I was watching a movie that was in line with The Christmas Carol. It wasn't The Christmas Carol. I'm not even going to tell you the name of it because that would be more embarrassing. But it was in line with, the, in line with The Christmas Carol and, of course, the story of Scrooge. And at the end, I found myself, again, being very affected emotionally. I'm just like, what is happening right here? And, and, and then um, a while ago, uh, previous this year, my wife and I, this is on a more serious note, this is a fantastic movie. Um, it's called Do You Believe? And it's by the same people who made God is Not Dead. Like, I, I cannot recommend that highly enough to you as a powerful, powerful perspective on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they presented that in such a uh, wisdom-filled way. And my wife and I, I mean, I'm there just tears streaming down my cheeks. And at one point, I'm just like, hey, why am I like this? And in one sense, I'm like, what is wrong with me? Um, why would I even begin to be such impacted by, I mean, I get, uh, uh, do you believe that? But, but when things like uh, Christmas Carol and then Frozen, uh, stuff like that, I, I, I ask myself, okay, what's happening right now? Okay? And here's what I'm understanding inside myself. It's because I see the gospel Okay? It's because I feel uh, threads of the gospel. I hear, um, I see, and I am watching this. Listen, I am watching um, a, a longing for the gospel. Um, um, whether the script writers intend to do that. Okay? This has nothing to do with Elsa and Anna. Okay? No offense to the five-year-old girl who's here right now, and that's like your favorite thing in the world. Okay? No offense, five-year-old girl. Okay? Okay? It has nothing to do with Elsa and Anna. What it has to do with is the hope that is portrayed of all things being new, of harmony throughout the earth, of pain being uh, destroyed, of sin basically gone, of light shining, and evil being no more. Uh, Jesus Christ has created me as a child of God. And inherently then, I have a insane appetite and desire for full redemption, for reconciliation, and full restoration to God himself. We were created to groan for the things that are to be. We are created to long for and love for the reality that Jesus Christ is returning one day soon, and then all the heartache and all the pain and all the misery is gone. And if you're like me, my heart aches for this world. I'm so sick of the sin. I'm so sick of the darkness. I'm so sick of all the destruction going on all around us. And to imagine that one day, one day it's going to end. One day he will return. One day sin will be defeated once and for all. One day say no more and all the pain is finished. And the newness and the eternal life and the joy that will spring forward. I mean, how does that not fire you up? I mean, how does not not get the best from you and your life and why we live? You want to clap us clap, okay? That's a good thing to clap for. Exciting. Now again... As I watch such stories, whatever the script writer intended, my heart goes to the promises of Jesus Christ. And by the way, by the way, I'm sitting on the couch with my girls and boys, and they're there, and they look over and say, Mommy, why is Daddy crying? Okay, okay. I'm okay to look over at them in that point and get a chance to explain to them, dear, it has nothing to do with Elsa and Anna. It had everything to do with the fact that dad loves Jesus Christ a lot. And right now, daddy's seeing the reality and a thread of the gospel and a picture. Our world is, all these stories, our world's longing for this. It's longing to be made right. Longing to be made new. If only they would bow the knee to Jesus Christ. If only they would see that he's the answer to newness and life and purity and devotion and beauty and joy. 
but I get to look at my children and then say, explain to them, man, it's because your dad has been saved by Jesus Christ, it's a chance to share the gospel again. So I'm okay if they see me shedding tears over things they may not fully understand in the sense of we're watching Frozen right now. But, but, they can hear me talk about the Jesus Christ that I love. And see, when I see this truth too, here, here's the point of all this. When I see this truth, man, it makes me not want to give up. When I see the threat of the gospel through all these different stories and the hope of what is to come, and it's worth to keep walking. It's worth to keep persevering. It's worth to keep believing. And that is the message Jesus sends to the church in Philadelphia. This is the message he brings. He's like, I'm writing to you who are choosing to persevere because of the reality and the glory and the power of perseverance for those, listen, for those who do not give up to those who look to him, who hold on to him, to those who love him. That's what our text is about today. Revelation 3, verse 7 says, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. Philadelphia was a missionary city, but not in the sense of the gospel. It was like a Greek missionary city in terms of Greek culture. Uh, they, they founded this city to spread Greek language and the, and the Greek way of life. It had a, one of the grandest highways um, at their time. It connected the east and to the west, and it connected one continent to another. It was a beautiful city, a city subject to earthquakes, which is important for our text here as well, um, a city with a lot of blessing. But to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right, are the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut. This is amazing. And who shuts and no one opens. Uh, I know your works, church. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power. I love that phrase. And yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan Jews uh, who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, um, I will make them come and bow down before your feet and they will learn, what? They will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell in the earth. Then verse 11, he says, um, I'm coming soon. That was a great spot for an amen. amen. Do you want another try? Yes, yes. Okay, verse 11, ready? Uh, I'm coming soon. Amen. amen. If we say amen to anything, that's what we say amen to. Hold fast to what you have that no one may seize your crown. Amazing. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, amazing, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. Verse 13, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Holy Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. Father, would you give us ears to hear right now? Father, we bow ourselves before you and desiring, O Lord, that your voice would be heard and your will would be known. Another important day, another call, Lord, to not give up in the joy of persevering in you. O Lord, help us to see, help us to respond, help us to be so thankful and fired up for you. Yes, Lord, move in our midst. Speak to your children. Save the lost, Lord. And cause us, Lord, to be so fueled with the joy of spreading this message of good news. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, a letter to the persevering, as we've said, a letter to the church that was faithful to the Lord, and there we are called to persevere. We are called to be faithful. We are called, loved ones, today to not give up. Not give up. That's a word for many here today. Do not give up. Why? Why should I not give up, Robbie? 
Why should I persevere? Jesus, because he's speaking today. Um, five awesome reasons from our text today, okay? Five awesome reasons why we should not give up. Oh, we are called to persevere. Reason number one uh, is this, because Jesus guarantees passage, okay? Jesus guarantees the way for those who trust him. He guarantees it. He's opening a door, and no one is going to shut it. Again, verse seven, the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens. Okay, this truth right here in verse 7 is our supreme confidence in an otherwise dark and evil world. Um, Our world is riddled with uncertainty and riddled with fear. But we learn here, right here, there is one who holds all the power. Uh, There is one who holds uncontestable control. There is one, one, who grants passage uh, to eternal life itself. Notice in verse 7, the words of the Holy One are the true one. So right away, we learn this. Jesus Christ is perfect. Jesus Christ is holy. Jesus Christ is true. Everything he says, everything Jesus Christ says is. When he speaks, it happens. There's nothing he's not in control of. Again, he is perfectly unblemished. In our fake, disingenuous, superficial world, there is one who is true. Jesus Christ is true. I take nothing for granted. You are here right now, and you're, you're, you're surrounded in our fake, disingenuous, evil, superficial world. Jesus Christ says to you today, Jesus Christ says, I am the way. I am the way. There's no one else. I am the only way to life. I am the truth. I am the source of truth. He says, I am life itself. You're like, I'm longing for life. Jesus Christ is your answer. Jesus Christ is life. Jesus Christ is the passage guaranteed to eternal life. Jesus Christ is truth. There's nothing in him that isn't true. Every single ounce, percentage of him is embodiment of truth. This is our Savior. This is our Lord. This is, this is Jesus Christ. The words of him who is holy, the words of him who is true. And we think about that, the words of him who is holy. This just in, loved ones, um, it's Christmas time. It's Christmas time, and, and that for me means it's a renewed opportunity for powerful worship time. Really, it's an opportunity for a fresh look at the Holy One, the Savior, the baby born in the manger, the Son of God, the awesome I am given to us, the Holy One. And so that being Christmas time, I'm very excited for times like these. Every time is a chance for worship time, but I think of um, Luke chapter 1 as Gabriel speaks to Mary. And Gabriel appears and he says, and the power of the Most High will come upon you, overshadow you, and you will conceive and, and bear a son. And, and it says this, and he says, and the child to be born to you shall be called Holy holy some of you are thinking the other gospels which is so great but this one is called holy and it says what it says the son of god okay so just to just let's just stop enough let's stop long enough right now to get a little bit of christmas truth in our hearts and to wreck our minds in a good way okay so here's mary and the holy spirit says that you will conceive and bear a son and he will be called holy he will be the son of god so this happens this supernatural conception And Mary, a child begins to form in her womb. And let's just imagine this and understand this. Mary, Mary in her womb is carrying the Holy of Holies. Okay? Mary in her womb 
uh, not Mary, the child in her womb, holy, holy, holy. The holiness of God has allowed himself to be formed as a man in the womb of a woman. Awesome. Amazing. The words of him who is holy and the holy one has a word for the church. The holy one is speaking right now. The one of truth. The only one who can be called this. The, the power and the authority of the universe. Again, is speaking. Remember, remember, never underestimate the might found in the manger. Ever underestimate the might that is held and found within that manger. Again, look at verse 7. The words of the holy one, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. So now we start to learn about uh, someone who's holding keys. Jesus Christ holds keys. Now, we've all been locked out before of something or somewhere. Locked out of our houses. Uh, locked out of our cars. Now, what happens when we're locked out? When we're locked out, instantly what takes place is we know the one who holds the keys holds the power. Well, when it comes to eternity and eternal life and eternal death, there is one who holds the keys. There's, there's only one. Revelation 1 says Jesus Christ holds the keys to death and Hades. Jesus Christ is the only one who can open the door to eternal life. Loved ones, why do we persevere in Christ? Here's why. Because when he opens the door for us, it is staying open. Jesus Christ holds the keys to eternal life and eternal death. When Jesus Christ commands the blessing of his kingdom, the blessings are coming, okay? When Jesus Christ opens the door, it's being opened. When Jesus Christ says, I command blessing, the blessings are coming to town, okay? So you think Santa Claus is coming to town? Try this. Jesus Christ has come, and Jesus Christ is coming again. And every door he opens is staying perfectly open. Every door he closes is staying shut. Why do we persevere? Because Jesus Christ has guaranteed an open door through through the gospel. Spiritual eyes of faith right now. Spiritual ears that can hear. What they see and what they hear is Jesus Christ has opened a door for you in the gospel. And when this door is open, he's like, come my child, walk through this door. This door will not be closed. This, this, this door cannot be closed, loved ones. When he has opened this door for you in the gospel through his life, death, and resurrection, this door eternally will be open, and our job is to keep walking. Our job is to keep walking towards what we know is true because this door will never be shut in your face and say, get away, you can't go. If you are generally saved in Jesus Christ, the door is open and will never, ever be shut. The longing for us and the, and the desire, I must persevere because where else will I go? The open door of Jesus, well, the world, myself, you got to be kidding me. Listen, listen, the heart for those who are here, you want to give up right now. Jesus Christ says, man, I've opened, you're saved, I've opened the door for you. Child, keep walking. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be great. Keep walking. Don't stop. Keep going. It's so much of the Christian life, isn't it? So on my desk at home, I had this little guy, which I kind of call little man, okay? And uh, this was a gift given to me by um, a couple in our church, love them. And uh, it's this little guy, it's probably like that big. And it sits on my desk where my books are. This is where I kind of write the messages and stuff. And I don't know how many times this, this little man's been encouraging to me. Because there he is with his legs stretched out like he's walking. And it just says something so simple. It says, just keep going. Just keep going. And honestly, isn't this the Christian life? 
isn't it? Isn't so much of what we're called to do to keep walking towards that which will be the fulfillment of everything we long for? But how hard it is, how frustrating it is, how difficult it is at times, how painful it can be, how much we hate sin, how much darkness tries to discourage, how Satan tries to tempt us to give up. But I see little man here, and the little man says to me, keep going. And how many times I've looked at that, it's been such a blessing, such a blessing to me. Because again, this is, this is the call to perseverance. Why? Because the door's been opened. The door's been opened. We will not be disappointed. Loved ones, Jesus Christ guarantees passage. He guarantees passage. And we are called to not give up, but to walk. And on this theme of doors being open, look now at verse 8. Verse 8, it says, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. Two possible meanings here. The first one is this. When the New Testament talks about open doors, it refers to evangelistic opportunity. So Jesus here for the church in Philadelphia is guaranteeing opportunities for the gospel in the church in Philadelphia. He's guaranteeing it. He's like, yeah, you're not impressive. You're small. You don't have much to offer in yourself. But he's like, but I'm with you and you'll have opportunities for the gospel to go forward. You know what that means too for us? It means that Jesus Christ is guaranteeing opportunities for the gospel to us as well. I want you, this is a great lead from Pastor Jason's message last weekend. Jesus Christ is guaranteeing us opportunities. You're like, oh no, man, the world doesn't like Jesus and people don't want to hear from me and I try to share my faith and then it doesn't happen and I get discouraged and I'm too afraid. All I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, okay, Jesus Christ is guaranteeing today there are opportunities for the gospel. You received your invites here today? You received your invites. This is an opportunity whoops, to, prayerfully, to prayerfully consider this and to look at this and say, um, Jesus, I believe this is an opportunity. You, you will provide opportunities for me. To, but this is just an invitation to church. That's, that's a lot easier. I believe God wants us to actually be able to share the gospel where we are and to meet people who we love, you see? And, and so, but, but here, hear what Jesus is saying. He's promising us, you will have opportunities for the gospel today, tomorrow, this week. Like, it's not just for, like, all oh, the pastor and someone else. No, all of us. Why don't you hear that? He's like, I'm guaranteed. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how dark the world gets. Okay? Jesus is not afraid of the world. Jesus isn't afraid of some army across the He's not afraid of some policy. He's not afraid of some movement in our society. I mean, Je- Jesus is sovereign. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is awesome. Jesus is holy. He's true. Jesus is in charge. And Jesus says, I still got people I'm going to save. And I want to use you to do it. I want you to share the gospel. And I'm going to give you open doors. So the key is, when we see the open door, will we walk through it? Will we walk through it? And he's guaranteeing the opportunities will come. That's very, very exciting. But remember, remember what, what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16. He says, it's important, a wide door for effective ministry has been opened to me, a wide door. And then he says, and there are many adversaries. So notice, the promise of the wide door of effective ministry and the promise of opposition in doing so. Align your expectations with what the Bible actually teaches it's going to be tough. It's going to be great. The second meaning in verse 8 here is that Jesus has opened a door for the kingdom of God. And as we have explained, as he opens that, no one will close it. Loved ones, why do we persevere? Because Jesus Christ guarantees passage to eternal life. Again, where else are you going to go? Where else are we going to go? We've got to persevere, man. It's going to be worth it. Point number two is this. Why do we persevere? Because Jesus knows we're weak. Because Jesus knows 
that were weak. Look at the second half of verse eight. I love this. He says, um, I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Okay, let's be clear. This is not a negative from Jesus. He's not like, you stink, you're weak. No, no, no. It's a positive, okay? So listen, listen. In the Christian life and church, in the Christian life and in the church, ready? Weakness, to know weakness is strength. When we know we're weak, that's when we find out we're strong. The first beatitude given by Jesus is, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are destitute in self, who know they have nothing to offer, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are in poverty of spirit and are so aware of their need of Jesus Christ, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You could, you could um, do the opposite of that. Cursed is the individual who thinks they got it all together. They will not find the kingdom. Cursed is the person, man or woman, who finds uh, 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 strength in their own abilities because they, they are deceived. They will not find the grace and strength of God. But behind this beautiful phrase in, uh, phrase in verse 8, it's, it's not great strength or great ability. Listen, listen. It's great dependability. This is what's being said here. I'll say it again. It's not great strength or great ability, but rather it's great dependability that Jesus is commending in the church in Philadelphia. The church has little power in Philadelphia, meaning it's not some big mega church. It's not particularly strong they're probably a bunch of poor people. But here they are, and they have the favor of God because they are not denying his word or denying his name. See, this is the recipe for God to work. This is the situation where God does his best stuff. Okay, ready, ready, ready? God's not looking for the powerful. God's looking for the faithful. And the faithful depend on him. God is not looking for the powerful loved ones. He's not looking for those who have something to offer to him. He's looking for those who understand they are nothing, have nothing, and need him for everything. Now, apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus said. Let's just break down this little uh, phrase in verse 8 in two ways. Let's break it down individually first, okay? I want you to hear this. I want you to know this right here. Um, Jesus in this text says to us, he says, hey, he says, child, I know you're weak. I know you're weak. That's a word for some right now. You're here right now. And Jesus says to you, in your frustration and in your weakness and, and in your difficulty and in your pain, he says, I know you're weak. I know you're weak. Jesus says to us today, he says, I know you're feeble. I know that you're on the edge of losing it. I know that you have nothing left in the spiritual tank. He says, I know you're feeble. And Jesus says this to Jesus and I, I know you're sinful. He says, I know you can't do it. Jesus, I know the world's not impressed with you. But guess what? Jesus, I don't care about that. What Jesus cares about is the heart that knows they need him. Jesus cares about the heart that says, I can't do this without you. And Jesus, I can work with that. Okay? Now, one of the things I've learned over 10 years of being the senior pastor of this church is I have learned how much I can encourage people with my discouragement. Okay? You're like, what does that mean? Well, I just have learned that at times when I share the reality of my burdens and my failings, a lot of people are kind of like, you mean you struggle too? You know? So you got problems too? I mean, you're just like the rest of us and, and you stink it out. Woo! 
We're all, in this, we're all in this together, man. We're all just sinners in need of a Savior. We're all so weak and frail, and so I find joy at times as uh, relating my discouragement because it encourages other people. I, I get that. I totally get that. So let me encourage you with my discouragement right now, okay? How about we do that a little bit, all right? So um, been a bit of a tough week for me in some ways. Um, this week, I, I botched it as a dad again, botched it as a dad, uh, filled with self, self-interest, self-pursuit, um, just not, not, not being who I, who I should be this week. I bungled as a husband. Again, just a selfishness creeping in and, and, and mind filled with just wrong thoughts and, and hurtful things. Uh, this week is essentially failed, of course, again, as a child of God. Um, again. Again. But this week in my own difficulties and sin and failure, you know what I, I read this week? I read that phrase in verse 8 and it says, I know uh, that you have but little power. Jesus said, Robbie, I know, I know you're weak. And I, I know you can't do it. Are you willing to admit you can't do it either? <laughs> are you willing to admit that you are a sinner in need of a Savior again? Are you willing to turn from sin and repent of sin? And let me just say this too, man. And, and this, is, this is me being vulnerable, but I'm praying it will encourage you. And, and uh, there was a time this week that the Lord clearly said, you have to go and you have to sit in front of your wife and humble yourself and you need to repent of your sin. And uh, you need to ask for her forgiveness. Um, and I'm talking about, my flesh didn't want to do that. My flesh was like, no, no, I want to I wanna, I wanna level the blame out right now. Um, I want to I wanna, I wanna hear, hear her say something first before I'm willing to do anything else. And, and she's like, well, no, that's not really the way it's going to work, even though she was incredibly gracious to me even before I said something. Um, but he's like, right, would you trust me that my ways are right and your ways are wrong? Do you trust me that I bless humility and I give grace to those who are repentant? Do you believe that, my word? And yeah, I do, I do. You know what's amazing to me is you go down and you sit yourself before your wife and you begin to repent of the sin and you confess. And what amazes me, the, the moment you begin to repent of your sin is the moment the weakness of my life is presented and the strength of my God begins to fill me. Like at the moment I start to repent, I break down because I sense the grace and the love and the mercy of God filling my life. It over, all of a sudden, all the, all the pain and, and the heartache and the pride and the frustration, it disappears and is replaced with God's grace of love. See, don't you understand? Don't understand that pride loses. But then humility wins. The person who says, I don't need you, God, whatever way they want to do, the person who doesn't admit they're weak in front of God is the person who, who, who forfeits God's grace, who forfeits his power, who forfeits his ways upon their lives. And the stubbornness and our, and our, and our refusal to humble ourselves truly limits the flow of God's grace upon our life. But the more, it just, it, oh, it, it blows me away. The moment I repent, God's like, yep, yeah, Boom! And then you're like, what was I waiting for? It's a supernatural thing that occurs through the ways of God that just work when he says, I know you're weak, man. Are you going to admit you're weak? When you admit you're weak, then you find my strength. But as long as you sit here and you try to pretend you're strong, you forfeit my strength in your life. Jesus says, I know you're weak. Do you know you're weak? I know you have a little power. Do you know you have a little power? And when we do that, it's awesome to see what happens individually. And then also here we see corporately. Let's apply this to the local church. Look what's happening in verse 8. He says, 
I know you have a little power, and yet you've kept my word, have not denied my name. You've not denied my name. Okay, so, so hey, church in Philadelphia, uh, you may not be that impressive from the outside, not particularly big, strong, impressive, but listen, you depend on me, you keep my word, and you love my name. That right there, loved ones, see that? You keep my word, uh, you, you love my name, you depend on me. That right there, that's the, that's the path of perseverance. In fact, that's so good, let's get that on the screen right here, okay? I want you to see this, okay? Look at the path to perseverance in verse eight. Here we go, ready, number one, depend on Christ. Hey, hey, church in Philadelphia, you're gonna make it, depend on Christ, keep his word. And then thirdly this, notice, and you love my name. You love my name. This was their path to perseverance. You're not impressive. You're not strong. The world's not looking at you and saying, wow, you guys are great. Say, but you do this. You depend on me and you keep my word and you love my name. That is the path of perseverance. It's so simple, but so powerful and so awesome. This is what, but see, the person who finds this is a person who says, I can't do it. It's a person that says, I need to depend on you. I need to then keep your word to depend on you and I love your name to depend on you. This is the path of perseverance. This is what God uses within our lives. This is, this is what he wants to see. It's, it's, I am weak, I need your strength. Interestingly, this week in my readings, I came across in 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 12, let's put this verse up here, um, the story of uh, Rehoboam. And this is not coincidence that I saw this and how many situations in, in, in scriptures, a situation like this is expressed. Notice, when the rule of Rehoboam was established, so, so when things start going well, uh, when success is seen, when prosperity is found, and when he was strong, okay, watch this. So when you're weak, God, I need you. All these kings, I need you, I need you, I repent, I repent, I repent. But then all of a sudden, they get some things going on. The, uh, the castle's being built. Uh, the success is all around them. They got lots of horses and chariots. And I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I think I, all of a sudden, when he was strong, notice, he abandoned the law of the Lord and all Israel with him. Notice, our strength leads to our delusion, leads to God's word leaving us, and anyone we're hoping will follow us will go with us in the wrong direction. Established and strong. Hey, are you established and strong? Only in Jesus Christ you are. And any person who says, no, 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 man, I got it going, it just, it just you, will not, you will not need God anymore. And, uh, okay, just as a father, I, I can't help but apply this as a dad, Okay. Dads, fathers, you, you have any desire to lead your family to Jesus Christ? You must present a man that needs Jesus. You cannot present a man that says, I can do this myself. You must present a man at times that shed tears over the reality of Jesus Christ and your need for him. And you must humble yourself and repent of sin and, and show, show your family that you are being led by the king, that you have any chance of showing him and, and, and being an example to those who look up to you to be the example of the one who loves Jesus Christ. It starts with us saying, we're weak. Weak. The power of weakness and we see the strength of the Lord. Why do we persevere? Because Jesus guarantees passage, because Jesus knows we're weak. Uh, thirdly, this, because, because Jesus is, is playing for keeps. He's playing for keeps. Look at verse nine. Verse nine says, um, Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. So what's happening here? Well, these Jews, right, um, they are not Jews, Jesus says, because as we learned in Smyrna, 
they may be physical descendants of Abraham, but they are not spiritual descendants of Abraham. And then the text says, um, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Okay, so what's this saying here? Why do we persevere? Because one day, the enemies of God will see and will admit um, who is right. So in our day, increasingly right now, um, believers, and just, just the idea of, of any faith in Jesus Christ in our society across this world has never been more mocked and more ridiculed and more persecuted. But loved ones, here's what we hear here. Um, that day will end. That day will end. One day that, that day will end. Philippians 2. Um, and at the name of Jesus, every, every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, under the earth, everyone. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ uh, is Lord. That Jesus Christ is Lord. So on that day, the mocking will cease. The ridicule will cease. The persecution will cease. For us, that means don't give up. That day's coming. It, it might happen right now, but the day's coming when all that will go away. And notice, and they will learn, and they will learn, that the text says, Jesus says, um, that I have loved you. That's amazing. And they will learn that I have loved you. I want you to sit on that truth for a moment. Just, just sit on it. Think about that for a second. And the enemies of God, those who reject Jesus Christ, and Jesus will make them come and bow down before believers in Jesus Christ. And they will learn what? And they will learn um, that I have loved you. That phrase should probably be underlined in your Bible. Um, think about that. Brother and sister of Jesus Christ here today, we persevere. Why? We persevere because Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. How do we know? Because the Bible tells me so. Okay? Uh, Jesus loves you. That's why we persevere. That's the hope of, of why we live. It's right here. And Jesus says, don't give up because the day will come when the enemies will no longer be your enemies. And they will find out again. They will find out what is right and what is true. And then we see verse 10. Verse 10 says, Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. Notice this. Because you have kept my word, I will keep you. Because you have kept my word, I will keep you. Notice also, because you have kept my word about not giving up patient endurance, because you have persevered, I will deliver you from the hour of trial. The church in Philadelphia, under testing, in trial, in pain, they held on, they persevered. They were tempted with worry and anxiety. They held on, they kept the word. They didn't deny the name of Jesus Christ. You keep my word, I will keep you, Jesus says. You keep my word, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world. What is that? Probably the tribulation. Jesus says, my church will not receive ultimate judgment for sure. That's what it means. Jesus is playing for keeps. Those who I saved, they will be with me. Forever they are safe. Forever they are secure. They are my children. They are my sheep. They will not be lost um, or destroyed. Look at this promise here from John chapter 6, verse 39. Check it out. Jesus says, and this is the will of God who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me. You're saved in Jesus Christ. You're a child of God. He has you, he's not letting go. He has you, he's not letting go. The guarantee is he loses nothing, but he will raise it up on the last day. Why do we persevere? This is why we persevere. This is why we keep walking. This is why we don't give up. This is why we understand, man, the reality of the gospel, that we can't be lost, and he will raise us up on the last day. Yeah, but life's so hard right now, Robbie. Yeah, yeah, I get that. And the world's so dark, I get that. And it's so fr I, got, I feel so weak, I get that. He promises to be everything that you need him to be, 
according to his will, and the promise is he will raise you up on the last day. And that's going to be a great day. That's going to be awesome. And that takes us to, to point number four. Why do we persevere? Ready? Ready? Because Jesus is coming soon. Oh, four of you got it. Oh. All right, look at verse 11. Again, ready? Ready? Um, I'm coming soon. <laughs> oh, oh, help us, Lord, to understand the reality of what we're reading. I mean, this is so exciting. It's okay. It's okay to be fired up in church for things like this. This is, this is, this is why we exist. Verse 11. I am coming soon. That's great. That's great. Oh, amen. Amen. Loved ones, life's too short not to be fired up over the reality of the gospel. Isn't it true? It's, life is too short not to be excited about these things. We get so excited about the silliest things, and then we have the greatest truth ever in front of us, and we're like, yay. No, 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 no. It should be like, woo. All right, right? Listen, hold fast to what you have that no one may seize your crown. That's amazing. He's like, I'm coming back, so hold on. I'm coming back. So don't follow the world. I mean, how dumb can you be to be a, a filled with idols of the world? That's all going to just be destroyed. Hold on to your crown, the gospel. Hold on to the reality of the reward in Jesus. Hold on to it, man, because I'm coming back soon. That's a reason to persevere. I love that. I love that. So, so this is our 12th Christmas season as a church. And um, 11 times the story of Simeon has been brought up at Christmas season in some way or another, okay? Simeon Luke 2, you know Simeon Luke 2, Simeon Anna, Simeon Luke 2, okay. I like Simeon a lot. I like what he does a lot. I like the way he thinks a lot, okay. So 11 out of 12 Christmas seasons, Simeon has been brought up. Here's my opportunity to make it 12 out of 12, all right. Simeon, Simeon, possibly a root of the name Simons, who knows, who knows. <laughs> Which means nothing, okay, but, but it, is, it is kind of funny, isn't it? But, but, but so Simeon, he was promised that he would not die before he saw the Messiah. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Okay, so imagine, there's Simeon, day after day, he's in the temple, text says, and he's waiting, because the Holy Spirit said to him, you won't die until you see Jesus, until you see the chosen one, the, the child, son, uh, son of God. And so he's in the temple, and then like, so he's in the, one, is it today, is it today, is that them, is that them? Like just imagine, you're sitting there, the anticipation, you know that one day, the Son of God will enter into the temple in some form or another. Is it, is it today? Oh, no, it's not today. But then one day he's there, and all of a sudden a couple walks in, this meager-looking couple, uh, nothing, nothing, any fancy, just so humble. They come in with this infant, and you're just like, and the Holy Spirit says, today's the day. Okay, so like, come on. What are you feeling if you're Simeon? Come on, come on. Like, just try to imagine. Try to imagine like, oh, he sees the child. He knows what's about to happen. He knows who this child is. He knows this is, again, the Holy of Holies. And he takes child in arm, okay? And he calls out, my eyes have seen your salvation. I mean, let me ask you a question. How much joy does Simeon have in that moment? Come on, come on. I mean, how much joy does he have? The answer is, a lot, all right? Here's a picture of using the bats. Here's a picture of an artist's rendition. Okay, this tear pouring. I, I just love this. I, I just love this. Whatever he looked like, whatever that moment was like, this kind of works for me. As he looks up into heaven and he's holding God. How much joy does he have? He has a lot of joy, okay? He was waiting for the day the Messiah would come. But then there's us. And we're waiting too. Is it today? Is it today? And one day, 
It will be that day. Soon, Jesus says. Let me ask you, how much joy will we have on that day when he returns? Yes, the answer is a lot. Why do we persevere? That's why we persevere. Because he's coming back. Live for him. Live for what matters. Live with your lamps burning. Don't fall asleep. Stay awake. Be ready. Be alert. He's coming soon. Don't get lost in the world. Stop being foolish. Look up. Wake up. Stir up in the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming. He's coming soon. Amen. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. Remember, remember, Christmas is first advent, which then looks forward to second advent, the return, the coming of Jesus Christ. And again, again, think of, think of the day that Simeon had and think of the day that we will have. And Oh, wow, 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 wow. And, and now we come. Why do we persevere? Well, Jesus guarantees passage. Jesus knows we're weak. Jesus is playing for keeps. Jesus is coming soon. And fifthly, here's why you persevere. Ready? Because Jesus will never, ever let me go. Because Jesus will never, look at verse 12. So verse 12 now, these little truth sayings here at the end of the letters, they have blown me away. The one who conquers is the one saved in Jesus Christ. Not by works, not by good deeds, by faith in the grace of Jesus Christ. It's the one who overcomes by turning from sin and running to Jesus Christ with faith, believing in him. That's the one who conquers. They are saved. Listen, the one who's saved I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Wow. Okay. So a pillar is something that never moves. A pillar is a permanent fixture. Those who are saved in Jesus Christ will be permanent fixtures in the temple of my God, Jesus says. And notice we are confirmed by this in the next phrase. Never shall he go out of it. Last time I checked, never meant never. You're saved in Jesus Christ. You're not, you will enter into the glories and the reality of heaven. Listen, listen. And you will never be cast out. Ever. Ever. You take up permanent residence in the temple of God. That's a good thing, by the way. That's a good thing. Okay. Now notice this. Um, and I will write on him three names. I will write in him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven, and I will write on him my own new name. What? And I will write the name of my God, the name of the new, the name, my own. It's, hard, it's harder for Jesus to be, have any um, more expression of intimacy and possession. He could not do it any, any, any greater. I, you look at the name of God, the name of the new city, meaning you're not, again, that's where you live. And a new name, the intimacy of Jesus Christ. So us, look here, look here, look here, look here. Ready, 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 ready? God says this to you. He says, I love you and I own you. Like that's what he's saying right now. If you're saved in Christ, he's like, he's, he's trying, uh, you're mine, you're mine. I own you, I own you, baby, all right? I got you and you're not being let go because I love you so much. I will give you three, three names for all of eternity. How incredible this is. This is the promise of the permanent presence of God. The permanent, eternal presence. Have you tasted the presence of the Lord? I have, man. You tasted him? You get a little taste, you know? Just this week, you get a taste of the presence of God. And when you taste him, you're just like, oh, man. Like, like honestly, like when I was repenting, like just the presence of God, and you're just, there's nothing like him. 
There's no one comes close. Then just try to imagine the eternal, perfect presence of the Almighty, seeing Jesus Christ face. I mean, what will that be like? It's going to be a really good day. Like a really good day. And the next day. And the next day. And forever. And because of the truth of that great day, and the gospel that we have right now in Jesus Christ, that this is what we've been given, and one day that makes that great day turn this day into also another great day. You hear me? Hear what I'm saying? Hear what I'm saying? That's the truth that you just can't diminish. It's our reality. It's what's been given to us. He will never, ever let go of you. So don't give up. Are you tempted to give up right now? How can you? How can we? How can we? Look what he's saying to us. The only question is, are we listening? Verse 13. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And the Holy Spirit of God says to you and me today, don't give up. He says, don't give up. There's so much to live for. Hold fast to his word. Hold fast to him. That day is coming soon. See, this is why my heart longs for this. This is why my heart beats for this. This is, this is why the movie like Frozen will choke me up a bit, okay? It's nothing to do with Elsa and Anna. It is everything to do with the promises of Christ that I know to be true, that one day winter will be gone forever and it will be forever spring. It will be forever spring. On and on and on and on. That's why we live. And that's why we share the message of the gospel now. 